Righteousness. Who's got the definition? Who can give me the definition? Who's got their hand out? Or who's got it memorized? Who can tell me the definition of righteousness? Nobody's got it in their notes right now. The ability to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. You are free from failure or in any accusation as if, as if sin had never existed. That statement just by itself just sets me free. I, I just love hearing that. The ability to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. You are free from failure in any accusation as if sin had never existed. You'll need to write that out word perfect on the test. Word perfect. Punctuation, everything. The ability to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. You are free from failure in any accusation as if sin had never existed. James 5.16, again, you'll write this out word perfect on the test. You write it in NIV, put NIV. I'll check NIV, and you know, it's going to have to be word perfect NIV. If you, if you memorize it in NAS or King James or New King James, I don't care. Just put the, put the initials at the end of it and have it correct. James 5.16, the second half of the verse. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's New King James. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I, don't, I think King James is availeth. I think that's about the only difference there. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's us. That's us. That's us. How do we get our righteousness? We got it from Jesus Christ. God gave us righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is something that God has given you. God has given you right standing with Himself. Did you earn it? Did your behavior affect your righteousness? No. Did your morning affect your evening righteousness? Did your yesterday affect today's righteousness? Righteousness is a gift that you have. This is important. This is positional righteousness. This is, this is the righteousness of God that has been given to you. Your obedience is important. It is not a license to sin. And, and Romans talks about that distinction. If the law has been put away, then can we just do whatever we want? No! No. You are a slave to the Spirit of God. Now you follow the Spirit of God. You listen to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And you don't grieve the Spirit of God. You follow the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And He will always lead you in love. And love fulfills the whole law. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So we are righteous new creations that learn how to walk in love. God has made us righteous, declared us righteous, and because you have been declared righteous, you live righteous. Because you are righteous, you live righteous. Because God sees you righteous, you see yourself righteous. And because you see yourself righteous, you don't sin. You just it, it just sin has much less of a grip on you because you see yourself there. It's, it's very, very different from recovery. And recovery ministries, I believe, are, are very needed, provide a great benefit to our society and something that we really need. But, but some of the 12 steps have to be balanced by what Jesus said, by, by New, New Testament reality. New Testament reality is that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, but what happens is with that is that sometimes then people say, here comes this person out of a life of crime and larceny. Now he wants to be an usher in the church and he wants to count the money. Is that a good idea to give that person, 
well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm cleansed, I'm forgiven, I'm righteous, show me the money. Well, you know, we'll start you out as an usher or a greeter or something like that, but we're going to kind of wait on this money thing for a little while, okay? When it really hap what happens is, it, is that sometimes you have, to let, you have to let somebody's character catch up with what happened on the inside of them. And, just, and allow that. Allow, because the Bible says, you know, you prove somebody. You first, first let them do this. Let them be tested. Let them do this. And if they're faithful, then let them do this. And then let them do that. But a lot of times, you know, somebody will come in, well, I'm a righteous new creation, you know, just give me the microphone, give me the money, give me the, you know, let me take the kids. And no, 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 no. <laughs> the same thing in a children's ministry. You just don't let the, the brand new person be in the room with the kids. Just get to know them a little bit. All those kinds of things. So you still use wisdom, but, but righteousness is righteousness. You're given it. You are called to then live there. See yourself there and live there. So today I want to talk about confidence. The confidence that comes with righteousness. The boldness that comes with that right standing. If God sees you as righteous, if God's, take this to heart, take this to heart, this is you, baby. This is who God sees you. That God sees you as having the ability to stand in His presence without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. You are free from failure and any accusation as if sin had never existed. That's you. That is you walking into a hospital room. That is you walking in where there are just tubes everywhere and this person looks more dead than alive. But you walk in there without any sense of guilt, shame, inferiority, as if sin had never existed. And you command the devil to get out of that situation. To, to command that person to, to live. Command that person to walk. Command that person to rise up off the bed. That's confidence. That's boldness. That's what you get. Because you are righteous. So many times, Christians walk in to the room, mouse in, and just kind of, oh, Lord, oh, and there's that sort of, oh, sound. Doesn't help anybody. But what happens when those Christians walk in the room like Eastwood? Say your prayers, devil. You know how you used to always shoot the bad guy and then he'd move the cigar over the other side of his mouth, you know? Much cooler than that, you know. But he always did. But that's how you got to walk into the room. Yes, yes. Eastwood. Take that sombrero, flip it over one side. The music starts to play. That's it. You know it when the music starts to play. The bad guy says, Confidence. 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 You walk in. You walk in there. The devil has to hold out against you. The devil's just, and confidence has a lot to do with this. Two guys are squaring off to fight, and maybe they're even sized, but the guy who's confident just scares the tar out of the guy who's not confident. Confidence counts for everything in a conflict, doesn't it? And what does confidence come from? Being right. In any dispute, if you're right, bring it on. I'm right. Right? Right standing with God. You're righteous. You're righteous. Devil, bring it on. Think about this. Jesus has already conquered. Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. When Jesus sees the devil, what's he, does he get nervous? I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Jesus said, devil's got nothing. When he's praying, when he's about to go to the cross, he says, but now 
the ruler of this world is about to come, and he's got nothing in me. The devil's got nothing on you. He's got nothing on you whatsoever. He can't pull anything out that, that God will listen to whatsoever. Every tongue that rises against you in accusation, you shall condemn. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. The devil can't pull anything out against you. <laughs> Proverbs 28.1. Open your Bibles there. Underline this one. This is your Eastwood verse. Proverbs 28.1. This will be on the test. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold. The righteous are bold as a lion. My right standing with God gives me the confidence that David had. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? That's what David was walking around the battlefield saying. David, who probably was shorter than all the other guys, certainly the youngest of his brothers, he's walking around saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? What will be given to the man who takes off his head? The king's daughter? Which one? Huh? No taxes for his whole family. So what's going to be given to the king? What's going to be given to the man who takes off this guy's head? Just walking around, throwing his sombrero over his shoulder. You know what I mean? This serapi over his shoulder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that's how he should look. What's going what's to happen to the guy who takes off that guy's head? He's talking about my God. He can't talk that way about God. Devil can't put sickness on a Christian. Devil can't put poverty on a Christian. Devil can't hold a Christian down. No! Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is, what kind of disease is this? What kind of a situation is this? What do you mean there's not enough money? Not enough money in heaven? Not enough money for Jesus? What kind of a situation is this? Who's losing hope? Who's losing hope? Who's lo not me. Bring it on. I'm bold. Righteous are bold as a lion. That was what David did. Did you see that that, that confidence... When there's somebody confident around, what does it do to everybody else? When there's somebody fearful around, let's see out of the room, doesn't it? But that confidence, that confidence lifts everybody up. That confidence brings everybody up. And so David's walking around just going, come on, what's happening here? Come on, who's, who's, who's going to get the king's daughter here tonight? I sure will. I, I can do it. And so they brought David to King Saul. Confidence is something that actually somebody can see. It's, perce it's perceivable, isn't it? You, you can actually tell when somebody really believes what they're saying, don't they? And when somebody is just confident and bold like that, you, you can tell. You can tell they got it. They got it. And so, and so Saul talks with David a little bit, and David said, the same anointing that was on me to kill the lion, to kill the bear, that same anointing is going to work so that I can take the head off of this Philistine. And Saul's like, this kid's got it. This kid's got it. He's got it. And David had tested it. David had his testimonies. And you've got yours. You've got your testimonies. You've got your past. You've got the place where God came through in the past. You've got the place where God came through. You've got the place. And this Philistine is going to be just like the bear and the lion. And you're, you're going to take care of this situation just like you took care of the other ones. It's different, but it goes the same way. 
is, and, and of course the devil is obviously saying, well, this one's different. You know, those were the easy ones and stuff like this. But this time I got you. I got one arm tied behind your back. And, and I, no. First of all, you don't have one arm tied behind my back because I'm declared righteous. I'm declared righteous. God sees me as righteous. And I have the ability to stand before God without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority as if sin had never existed. That's where I'm standing. Where are you standing, devil? Judged, defeated. I'm a righteous overcomer. And the righteous are bold as a lion. Glory to God. David then walked it out. And all he did is he talked about God. He talked about God. He talked about God. He wasn't confident in himself. And he doesn't talk about himself. He talks about what God did. What God has done for him and what God was going to do for him. And it worked. This has happened many, many times. When Wigglesworth's wife died, true story, his wife Polly passes away. <laughs> and Wigglesworth stands her up in the corner, pulls her off of the hospital bed, puts her up against the wall, and commands her to come back to life. <laughs> really and truly. She did. She came back to life. She said, Smith, let me go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically, she said, she said, basically, let me go. It's my time now. I want to go. Let me go. So you, you have to let them go. And if they want to go, they can go. And, and, and he said, yes. <laughs> Put it back. <laughs> he did that because that happened because he had done that before. And he'd, he'd raised several people from the dead. And another time he comes into a, a house. He lives in England. And, and of course, the, the, the custom in, in the older days was that when somebody passed away, you put them on the dining room table. They, they lay in state in your home, just right there on the dining room table. And you've seen some old, older movies and stuff like that. There was that one Tom Cruise movie. There's a person there laying on the dining room table, basically, and they lie in state there for a couple of days, you know, they're the mourners, and there's just, you know, before they're buried. The child is, is laying there in state on the dining room table, and they invite Wigglesworth in, and the kid's just cold, cold dead, stone dead. And he said, you know, puts everybody out of the room, closes the door. <clears throat> Puts him up against the wall, commands him to come back to life. Commands his spirit to come back into his body. You can come in now. He's alive. The righteous are bold as a lion. 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 This is the kind of prevailing prayer that we need to be in. This is the kind of confidence that we need to approach God with. Hebrews 11.1 the definition of faith includes confidence. Confidence and faith are almost interchangeable terms. Confidence is palpable, isn't it? Conf confidence, you can, you can sense true confidence, can't you? And you can see when it's faked and you can see when it's real. Yeah. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, the su faith is a substance. Faith is a, is a something. Faith is a very real something. Just, just the way true confidence, true confidence and faith, it's synonymous terms, basically. It's faith and confidence in God are interchangeable, synonymous terms. In other words, if you're going to the, the Greek, and I, I don't have it all written out right here, but faith is a confident expectation of the things hoped for. Another word for evidence is the title deed. Faith is the confidence of the title deed of the things not seen. In other words, if you are going to own a car, 
you have the if you have the keys, that's one indication that's your car. But according to the state of California, what is your title deed to that car? It's a piece of paper, right? This is your title deed. This is your piece of paper. This is your piece of paper that tells you what you've got and tells you what belongs to you. You've got a piece of paper. You've got paper for it. You've got the title deed. And I'm confident in my title deed. I'm confident in the title deed that what I have is right here. Faith is a confidence. The elephant stories. When I worked at Marine World, it was all about confidence. It was all about it was either fear or confidence. It was, it was one way or the other. Animals can tell if you're confident or you're fearful. Which is it? And an animal knows what's faked. And the animal will test to see which it is. Kids will test too. But the four-ton elephant, it's either confidence or fear. And so day one, there are three elephants that were, that were at Marine World in the, in the ride section there. And, and that's where I went to work. Taji, Jenny, and Judy. Judy's a middle elephant. Judy is the former water skiing elephant that uh, was, was the youngest of the elephants and was a brilliant elephant. But Judy had had a rough childhood. And the way that they got Judy on the water skis was with a baseball bat. Yeah, and so that was why um, the Judy was no longer the water skiing elephant. They basically shut down the whole act and fired Judy's trainer. Well, when they fired Judy's trainer, who, you see, who had been put in a bad situation because it was like, promote, 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 get this, you know, make this water skiing elephant, and this, you know, this is going to be great for the park, great for the park, great for the park. Well, you know, he's pushed from management to do this. And then, you know, it starts to backfire as people start to see this and see what's going on. Well, then management all of a sudden distances themselves from this guy and then hangs this guy out to dry. Bad. So what does he do? So when he gets, when he gets fired, he takes Judy through all her tricks and beats her up and punishes her for each one of her tricks to unlearn all of her behaviors. Evil, 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 evil. Yeah. And so, you know, this guy's fired and he goes away and stuff like that. Judy gets her comeuppance. He comes back about five to seven years later, maybe that's seven years later, comes back to visit. You know, thinks, you know, time, enough time's gone by and stuff like that. And he steps over the fence, with nobody, nobody watching. And he walks right up to the elephant barn. And uh, Judy's tied up, a you know, chain on, on the on front leg. And he walks right up and goes, hello, Judy. And Judy, of course, remembers him. They don't forget. And Judy just pushes him back. And Judy's just trembling. And, and just pushes him back like that. And his old, mean animal trainer days come back, and there's only one spot you can hit an elephant to bother him at all. And he hits it right in the eye, cuffs her right in the oh, eye. Wow. And she, she goes, <laughs> and she says, all right, this is it. Man, this is the moment I've been waiting for. And she just pops him with a 200-pound trunk, just nothing but solid muscle, and just hits him with a bat. This is kind of like a seven iron, just slap, <laughs> the perfect follow-through. And the guy flies from about here to there on a fly and hits the wall and slides down. She pops her, pops her chains, walks right over, and horse's legs, you know, they bend forward and just starts going crunch, 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 and just starts working him over. They, they, they pulled him off, uh, they pulled the elephant off and stuff like that. And it's all about, it was all about fear. And so the day one, I'm there, I'm, I walk into this place. And so Judy, the, now, now we have Judy's past, and now Judy doesn't want to let anybody else get on, get on top position. And so Judy's going to keep me in fear. And so Judy, on day one, does this, you know, does this thing. 
and just puts her trunk right in my face. And and you know what? They're, what are they doing? They, they, you know, have you ever seen the Farside cartoon? It was this little dogs holding up a Fero sensor. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's what she was doing. She just, I don't know what they were eating, but she just puts her trunk right in my face. And she's reading fear. She's reading fear, no fear. Fear, no fear. I don't know what they're, you know, sensing or whatever like that. But she just did right in my face. It's fear, no fear. And I'm just trying to be confident. I, I, can, I know the drill already, you know. You know, new guy and stuff like that, you know, 19 or something like that, or 20 years old, and so I'm, you know, trying to be cocky, and, and Judy just tries, just working with me, and just, in, just a little intimidations and stuff like that, and then this is, this is what she does, she, she did to the, she did to the other guy, the, the other guy was a brand new hire, it was a couple weeks later, she, she pins him over in the corner, she, she pinned me once in the corner, and just enough to get me kind of nervous, she's, uh, she's there, she's got the middle spot, but she can kind of just move just far enough over that then she can trap you back into the corner when you're cleaning up the doo-doo in the, in the barn. And, just, and so you maybe can't quite reach you back in the corner, but you can't get out. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't get this way, and you can't get that way. And she might not be able to reach you, but she got you right back there and got you cut off. Little help, little help. <laughs> and they come back in. There was only two guys in, in our area that, could, that Judy would respond to. Everybody else she, she was on top of. Anyways, what she did to this other guy, she rolled up, she did the Fero sensor thing, and then she, she rolls up her trunk just a little bit and just punched him right in the solar plexus. <laughs> just <laughs> the guy's like, and she's just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm boss. I'm boss here. And that's just, you know, just, so you know, and everybody knows, I'm boss. I've, I've played this game the whole summer long. I would psych myself up. I'm driving to work. I'm going, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm, 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 I'm Mr. Elephant. I'm Mr. Elephant. And I would just work it and work it. Work. Vision is, a, is an important thing. If Who you're afraid of, you look at. If I'm really afraid of this person, you know, you've ever seen a cat in a room? <laughs> you know, you know cat, cat's, cat's going to watch what they're afraid of, right? Right? You know, the cat's going to do that. Well, the same thing is true when somebody's afraid of, of a situation. You know, they're going to keep their eyes on that, on that person, you know. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, same, but if, if, I'm, if I'm not afraid of a certain situation, I just, your eyes forward, you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would do that with, with Judy. I would, Judy would be walking, would be sitting right there, and I would just intentionally just go, Taji, Jenny, Judy, how are you? You know, and just, and just rub, and, and intentionally just rub right by her trunk and just walk right on by. And Judy would just let, you know, let that go. And I went and did it again. Just walk right on by. And, and, I, got, and I got away with it a couple of times. And, and then the elephant's kind of like, thump, thump, thump. Another time I just walked right on by. All of a sudden, whew, got me by the ankle. And just shook me like a rag doll. <laughs> and ah! <laughs> puts me right down. I own you. <laughs> I was just like, I own you. <laughs> and you know, no harm done. But just yeah. the fear, the fear factor again. Uh -huh. Fear factor, fear factor, fear factor. Again, another time, fear game, fear game. Uh, come back from a break. I've been walking um, Jenny. Jenny was exactly the same size as Judy. Jenny was a much older elephant and, you know, craggly and, 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 and lighter and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, Judy was younger and, and smoother. And uh, Judy had been in the barn. I go out on my 15-minute break. I come back, and right where I had left Jenny... Judy had been brought out from the barn and was now standing in the same spot being walked by the same person that I had left Jenny with. I think that's Jenny. So I walk right up to Judy, fearless, because I'm thinking it's the wrong, I'm thinking it's, 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 it's Jenny. 
I walked straight up to that because I had absolutely no fear. I could command the devil. I could command anything. I, you, you can command anything when you're fearless, right? right? And so I walk right up and I go, Jenny, trunk up. Jenny goes like, or Judy goes like this. I put my hands over the trunk. I go, lift. The elephant lifts me up and, I, and puts me right down over next to the sweet feed. I grab, a, grab some sweet feed and put it right up in their mouth and feed the elephant. I turn back around, talk to somebody, you know, kind of showing off for the crowd and stuff. You know, there's a big group of people on, you know, on the rides and stuff like that. And then uh, somebody goes, Brad, you just did that with Judy. And, go, you know, and Judy's looking at me going, and just, just pounding their trunk on the, on the ground. It echoes. It's hollow. And it makes a sound. And it makes this weird hollow sound, kind of, and the elephants all just got, <laughs> just, you know, yeah, you won that round, but you know, I win most of them. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I keep my distance, because you know, I'm not going to, we won't play that round one more time today. Fear. It's a, it's a substance. Fear is a substance. Faith is a substance. It's a palpable, measurable, very real substance. Develop it. Develop faith. Develop confidence. Develop your confidence in God. Develop your confidence in God's Word. Develop your confidence to the, the, the level that no matter what you're praying for, no matter what situation you encounter, you can boldly stand over that situation and command it to go. Develop confidence. Develop confidence in the Word of God. Develop confidence not in yourself, but in God in you. In your right standing with God. In your position with God. In your place in Christ. This is important. This is incredibly important. I have the video raised from the dead uh, in my office. How many of you have seen it? Uh, Reinhard Bonnke's ministry puts it out. About a person. You guys haven't seen that? Oh, you guys need it. You guys need it. Um, um, I can lend it out. It's 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 the woman whose whose husband, who's a minister in Africa, uh, gets killed in a car crash, and she goes and gets him from the morgue, oh, yeah. coughing, embalmed, embalmed, stuff up his nose and stuff like that. I mean, they'd prepared him with chemicals and stuff like that, and he's got his little white gloves on, and he's all just you know ready to go to the funeral, and she takes him out of the morgue, a couple days in the morgue, um, death certificate, the whole thing. And she takes him to the meeting where Reinhard Bonnke is going to be speaking. Bonnke never saw the guy. As they were bringing him to the meeting, she tries to take the coffin into the service. And they got good ushers there, praise God. And the good usher said, you're not taking that coffin into the meeting. No way, no way. You know, I mean, you're going to freak everybody out, don't you? And, and this woman, but the woman wouldn't be denied. Faith is a substance. Confidence is something that you really, really have or you don't have. It's a substance. And she had that substance. It was a true substance. It was a something that those, those ushers could not resist. Could not resist. She was getting that. She was getting her husband back from the dead. She was getting her husband back from the dead. It's a story really of her. Not so much of Bonky, not so much of, of, this, of this individual. It's a, it's a story about the lady. And so they, they bring the coffin downstairs and they put it in the basement and they bring some people around and they begin praying for this guy. The word comes up into the service, towards the end of the service, 
that someone was raised from the dead downstairs. And the place goes bananas. Wow. And, uh, and so, and really what happened was he had just started to breathe. Is that, you know, they, they were praying over and praying over and praying over, and all of a sudden, whew, he took a breath. And they were like, Whoa! <laughs> And I mean, there's this, this bike, cold and stiff, rigamortis, total rigamortis, he said. And they took a breath. A lot of time went by, and then, <laughs> and they just little by little, you know, and then his eyes open up, and then he, he says, "Where's my notebook? Where's my notebook?" You know, in the video, at the at the end of the video, they're showing the, you know him being brought out onto the stage, and he looked like a guy who came from back in the day. I mean, what would you look like? <laughs> if, you know, here you're in this room with, you know, you know, like a, you know, ten thousand screaming people, and you know, you're up there on the podium and just. <laughs> That's what the guy looked like, and he said he just he had come from the presence of God, where he'd been writing down a notebook. He was getting a tour of heaven, and God was showing him things. And he talks about what he had seen. He went to heaven and he went to hell, and he saw things in hell. He saw things in heaven. And, and he comes back and he said, the prayer of the rich man has been answered. Remember the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man said, if someone could come back from the dead, if someone could come back from the dead, he's the man that came back from the dead to tell us and to be a testimony today. This is the last days. This is the last days. The prayer of the rich man has been answered. And this is the man who came back from the dead, who's speaking and testifying to what God has done. Amen. You guys when need to see this video. Two years ago. Faith is a tangible substance. It's a confidence. It's a confidence. There's a confidence. There's a confidence. There's a confidence. First John 2.28 says, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, Ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. This is that we may have confidence. 1 John 2.28 Romans 1.17 in the Amplified says, For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, The man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Romans 1.17 Amplified Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith that is written, The just shall live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the commission to heal. I'm not ashamed of the commission to preach. I'm not ashamed of what God has entrusted to me. I'm not ashamed of my covenant. I am in covenant. I'm in covenant with God. You're in covenant. You should expect to receive covenant blessings. You should live as a king's child. You should not be ashamed or, or living down your blessings. You should be expecting blessings. You should never run down somebody else's uh, good fortune or prosperity because you're in that line. You're in that line. If you'll just stay faithful and stay hooked up, and, and just continue to confess who you are and what you have and what God wants you to have, you're in that line. And you're, you're, you're going there. You can have all those things that God wants you to have and that other people are enjoying who are walking these things out. 
You're, you know, other, there are people who are walking out divine health. There are people who have, have predicted the very day that they would go home to be with God without sickness. There are people who have, who have had children with minimal or no labor pains and things like that. Usually it's their second or third. But, anyways, it's, the point of it is, is that, you know, you can use, you can use your faith in every situation. There is no situation that is beyond your faith, beyond what you can attain to, beyond what you can do. And there are people that you should set up and you should say, I'm going to have what they have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to where they are and I'm going to follow the steps that they took. Kenneth Hagin set himself to, to, to study after and learn after Wigglesworth. And it's interesting that they died at nearly the same age, that they experienced m many of the same things. Hagin followed Wigglesworth. There are many people who died young, whose devotees died at almost the same age, whose followers died at similar things at, at the similar ages. You know, I don't want to get into you know, names and things like that, but you want to follow the, you want to follow the leaders and, and, and know who your leaders are. Paul said, you know, follow my faith. You'll, you'll receive what they receive, and you, you'll come under the same, the same anointing and the same blessing that they've received. The righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold. The righteous are bold. Think about a situation right now in your life where you need to apply more boldness. We need to be more bold. We need to be more bold. That whole summer, I worked on being bold uh, with Judy the elephant. And I just, and I kept psyching myself and working on it, working on it. But it was all in myself. You know, you can only go so far in yourself. But there are some things where you need to be more bold. And you've got the Word of God. You've got Scripture. And it's not just a mind game. It's a, it's a process of putting the Word of God, hiding it into your heart to where it is a true substance. It is a real something. It is a part of you to where you are more confident in the Word of God than you are in this chair being here. That chair I can touch. This chair I can stand on. This chair is there. But the Word of God is just as real. In fact, it's more real. That will pass away. The Word of God won't. That was created recently. And in 50 years, will be replaced. Maybe sooner. But the Word of God stands forever. 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 Build boldness into your life. What area? What area? What area? What area? This is still it's a little shaky. A little shaky, but you can build that up. Punk. You can just talk to the devil. Punk. And all this excitement. I don't know if I fired five shots or six. Yeah. But you're holding the most powerful name that can be named on this earth. You're holding the name of Jesus. Punk. You've got it. You've got the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Confidence. You're confident. The righteous are bold as a lion. Class is dismissed.